0: Hello and welcome to the How-To Hobby Podcast. I'm your host, John Power. This is episode 92 of our part-time part podcast here, the How-To Hobby Boys, bringing you some joys once a week. We bring you a new episode every Friday at 6 a.m. sharp. And I am joined at the mahogany desk by my fearless co-host
1: sean bennett how we doing sir we're doing good i i, I wanted to tell you i hadn't gotten to you. i got to play video games for 12 hours yesterday 12 hours it was the longest stretch of video games i've played since i think i was in high school on summer break happy president's day i'm exactly. assuming you had it off yesterday I did. <laughs> I did i had i had president's day off and kate was up at her place and I didn't have anything to do. I finished all of my homework. I didn't have any work I needed to do. So I just pulled up my my PlayStation, opened up Hogwarts Legacy, and just played and played and played. Just took a break, made myself some lunch, came back, played and played and played. Took a break, made myself some dinner, came back, played and played. It was it was really really nice and a little guilty pleasure as an adult being able to play a video game and not feel guilty for it. You know, of the yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got other tasks and other chores. It was just an entire day where I could do what I wanted. I didn't have any other responsibilities, and it was absolutely amazing. I'm still coming off the high from <laughs> from getting to just do what I wanted to do all day. It was awesome.
0: That is wonderful, and I'm I'm happy to hear that. I did not get enough gaming uh, because I actually believe it or not do not get President's Day off.
1: So. <laughs> It's the benefit uh, benefit of working for a European company. They generally yeah. tend to give more holidays, so I'll say that. That's
0: well, yeah, totally. I <laughs> I think it's quite uh rich that your European company is giving you <laughs> American President's Day on, I Which I is know. H- kind of <laughs> anyway. Uh but good for you, Sean. I'm happy to hear that. I I will have to I need to keep up with Hogwarts Legacy. I haven't really dived in it's
1: it's by far probably one of the most advanced complex games I've ever played. I mean, just the, really? the gameplay, the story play, everything, the the cutscenes. I mean, I'm talking. I've come off Ghost of Tsushima. I've been playing video games for 15 yeah. years. This yeah. is by far the most complex, rich story of a video game I've ever played, ever. I mean, it is just Man. gold. It's it's so good. And the coolest part, I named the character my same name. So it's oh, yeah. like I'm going to Hogwarts. It's the greatest nerd moment of my
0: life. I think, I think, and that's, there's a couple things that right off the rip from that game. The music is fantastic. Oh, it is, though. And, oh, it, that for me right there, all you need is a solid soundtrack. And if you hit that one on the button, which I feel like that game did, mm-hmm. it just is so perfectly tailored and and again if you can harness some john williams you know
1: you're doing it right john <laughs> yeah, williams
0: is the greatest composer ever it's
1: the the soundtrack is amazing the story is amazing you get to play you get to learn about magic i mean i get to go to classes to events against right. the dark arts it's the greatest nerd video game it's the game that i wish i'd had as a kid because if i'd been able to watch the movies and play this game it would have been the biggest thing i think of of the time it but, would have but been nuts. probably
0: not possible because it's so advanced. Like you said, I know. I mean, the, I know. the tech is, is wonderful. So anyway, well, good job there. And, uh, let's, let's also talk through, cause we, we said we we're going to keep the listeners up to date on our, on our learning goals for 2024. Since mm-hmm. this is Q1, the, the, the learning focused quarter, uh, we set some goals listeners at the beginning of this, this year, to dive into new things and to continue to pursue them throughout the year. So Sean was going to learn how to ride a motorcycle in a very specific way. And that was covered in episode 89, I believe, is when we talked that through. And then uh, I was going to ride a gravel bike. So Sean, walk the listeners and myself through where you're at with your process. Yeah. And we can we can go from there.
1: Yeah. So I am now in talks of buying a motorcycle. Ah. So I I have the money now and I am doing the internet trolling, trying to find the perfect bike for me. I found a couple. I'm sending them to another friend of mine who's a motorcycle expert, kind of getting his opinion. He said he'll go with me to look at them. So that's where I'm at right now is actually going to buy it. The big thing for me, though, is I actually had to stand up for myself in this matter. Okay. I had to go return some gear that I had bought to cycle gear. And traded it out for gear that I actually wanted. So when I had gone last time, I tried on a helmet that I really liked. The guy said, you need this size. I said, okay, I want one. I'll buy it right now. And he goes, well, we don't have that one in stock, but I have the newer model, the newer version. And uh, it's about $50 more, but you know, it's a really great helmet. got some new features. And I was like, cool, sign me up, bought it on the spot. Got home, hated it. Couldn't wear it. It was uncomfortable. I couldn't do it. I couldn't wear it for more than 15 minutes at a time before I started getting a headache. And so I took it back and I said, no, I want the one that I wanted originally. You can't sell me on this. You can't upsell me. I want the one that I I originally wanted. And he wasn't able to get it in the color that I originally asked, but I got a nice, beautiful matte silver new helmet and it fits like a glove. It's gorgeous. So I now officially have all of the comfort gear, everything. Need to buy the bike, and then I'm actually going to learn how to ride one. So, so
0: what is the gear list currently that you've right.
1: you've, you've assembled? So right now I have an LS2 Advance with the helmet, and then I bought a about a hundred dollar uh, riding jacket. So it's made for more riding street, not really off trail, but made for riding street. But still has good visibility. And then I got some really nice gloves that have the knuckle protection and slide protection. And then that is where I'm at right now. And I'm going to buy the bike and then I'm going to get better at it. And once I get better at it, it'll determine what kind of riding I want to do. And that'll determine kind of pants and shoes that I want to get, whether it's boots for off-roading, whether it's boots for on-road, whatever it is, that'll determine. So I've got the head, chest, back, and the gloves, and then buy the bike and then get the pants and the shoes. What, what do you need on the back? Is it a backpack or? No. So the, the specific jacket that I got has impact protection oh, okay. for the spine. Yeah. You can get backpacks. Not only do they have backpacks with Kevlar built in, so they're they're slide proof, they now build backpacks with airbags in them. So if you fall, they'll actually poof up and the straps themselves will become your airbag and keep your helmet from sliding side to side. They're really, really cool. I can send you a video if you're interested. Wow.
0: That's yeah. that's intriguing. Airbag um, backpacks now. That's awesome. No, glad glad to hear. So overall, you'd say, I mean, from what I'm hearing, you're you're definitely on the track. Yep. Um, you have a couple things left to do. Get the lower half dialed in. Get the bike. That's a big step, but you're yep. you're making <laughs> strides, and and so you give yourself a, a an eight out of ten or nine out of ten on yeah. on where we're at at this point. Is this is this what your timeline was, or you kind yep, of
1: this this is about what it was because I needed to give myself some money, some time to save up the money. So I'm, I'm still on track with my timeline. I'm going to be riding in Buddy's motorcycle this weekend to get a feel for his bike. And then he's the one that's going to be helping me go buy some bikes. So, uh, I've already been to sit on a couple. I'm going to go try and schedule some through some that I found on Facebook marketplace, but yeah, we're, we're right on track. Everything is going well. The key was the money, you know, I, I had to save up some and, and finally get it. So now, now I'm here. Well,
0: there you go. Uh, good luck. Can't wait to hear what bike we, we finally choose. The, the grand unveil is going to be unreal. And, and and as far as my, my updated learning experience, listeners, I, mine is uh, not as cool as Sean's, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm just learning how to ride a gravel bike, which is a new experience. Um, I think the biggest takeaway I've had is the difference in level of effort between a 25 millimeter tire which is what I ride on a road bike and a 45 millimeter tire, which is what I currently have on my road, on my gravel bike. A lot more friction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all the above in terms of, uh, just takes a lot more. It actually weighs more than my road bike, believe it or not, even though it's carbon fiber. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and that's mainly just due to tires, rubber rims, the and, parts of the bike yeah yeah and and so it's been been an experience i've been commuting with it full time got the got i slowly had to build up um in terms of things i had to get i it's a it's a slow process i'm not one of those people listeners and you probably know this about me if you've listened for all 91 episodes up to this point that i don't really feel the need to go and rush and get mm-hmm. everything in one shot i typically will I'll like Sean, I'll take a, a slower approach. And in this, this case, I, I bought the bike, but then I didn't have, you know, I kind of had to piece together my gear list for a bit there. Uh, I was throwing my water bottle in my, in my commuter bag. I, I didn't have any bottle cages. I didn't have a, I didn't even have tubes for it initially, which again, that's probably not uh, a, a <laughs> smart idea because I did get a flat within the next, but thankfully it wasn't, I wasn't stranded. It, it, I got a flat and then it went flat uh, overnight. So Mm. that was a plus. Um, I did take it out this weekend and just let it rip. And I am not going to lie. It was fun. I just, yeah, there's something. And I don't know if it's just the new experience in terms of, because I just, I, I hit it as hard as I could. And there's just something about when you go out and you really put as much as you can into something, and and you know I was going as fast as I do on my road bike, but mm-hmm. again with with it took that much more power to do it. Yeah. So you've I felt like the exertion level was different, and that's what I'm gonna have to get used to because I want to do a gravel race, and the one that I want to do is called the Belgian Waffle Ride, and it's 130 miles. Oh. God. So I'm going to have to continue to push myself to be able to do that. Um, So we will see. I'll keep you updated on that, listeners. Sean, uh, I do have a bike bag now on the back and a bottle cage. So that's that's a plus.
1: (laughs) Okay, you're getting set up. You're ready to go.
0: I'm ready to go. So listeners, that's where we're at with our current learning goals. Uh, We hope you've picked something too to start off Q1 of the year and and continue to dive into the world of hobbies that we know and love, finding something that you can learn more about But tonight, we're going to be diving into something Sean and I have a mutual love for. And this is going to be learning how to love food. And it may sound a little silly, but we want to invite you in to the How To Hobby Lounge. This is where we get intimate. Food is an amazing thing. We got to experience it. As you're filing in, there's there's thousands of people filing in right now. We did some major expansion in 2024. And the how to hobby lounge has never been more set up completely renovated plush seats in the game and you can reach out to us directly slide into our dms through our gmail account we have a we have a gmail that you can reach out to us at howtohobbypodcast@gmail.com at and that's where you give us the feedback we need to keep going to keep pursuing things that you want to hear about and we're always grateful for getting any type of Feedback from the listenership. So thank you. Thank you for listening. If you're new here, be sure to follow us and leave a, a rating if you're enjoying it. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. It's how we keep the lights on. And we do have a Twitter and Instagram account if you are so inclined to reach out to us there, at how to Hobby Podcast and a website that has some of some fine details about me and my co-host, Sean. What we do and how we've done it, how to get to this point, episode 92, that's howtohobbypodcast.com. So please use those resources. We put them out there for you, the listenership, and let's get comfy in the lounge. Sean and I are strapping down behind our big, rich mahogany desk, and we are ready to break down learning how to love food. So let's let's first talk about a very important thing before we get into where we're going tonight, which is there is a difference, listeners, between eating what you love and just eating. I feel, and and, and I will be honest, Sean, I want to hear your thoughts on this one because it's something we've got to understand and parse out before we even get into where we're going tonight. But when I'm at work, I'm just eating. Yep. And, and I'm trying the best to eat what I love. I mean, again, but it's not like what, you know, when you get home and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm about to be, I'm about to be eating what I love. When I, it's taken a bit to get to that point. I remember when I first started cooking back for my, for my wife, um, when, when she got pregnant. And man, it took a lot of, it just wasn't comfortable. It wasn't comfortable. I wasn't loving the, the process. And I didn't have that full, mind-body-soul connection between what I was preparing, how I was preparing it, the tools I was connecting with to prepare that meal. It just wasn't coming like it does for for me now when, it, when we talk about eating. So yeah, I'm interested on your thoughts there. Um, I definitely think it ebbs and flows. Again, certain points, it's not like you can't just eat because that's also a part of life. But eating what you love—that's a different level entirely. We want you to understand that tonight, as we break it down, and 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 that's the main takeaway we want for you out of this.
1: Anything to add yeah, there? Yeah, I, I agree. I a lot of yeah. So a lot of my life, I've done just eating. It's just been eating for eating's sake, just so that I can uh, get some food to my belly, get to the next thing. And, you know, I'm not really enjoying it per se. Like, I'll be honest. I did this today for my lunch. I had pizza. It really wasn't that great. I just, I was in between meetings. I had to rush. I had to get food in me because I was starving and I was starting to get that dizzy. I hadn't eaten in a while. And yeah. so I just yeah, shoved yeah. food in my face. Right. Yep. But when I got home here, as you said, like, I, I didn't really have anything planned for dinner, but I knew I was going to, I was going to enjoy it more because I was going to focus on something that made me happy. and eating what I loved. And so ah, I like, it. this is, this was something that you were like, man, we've got to make sure we include this. And I agree. And it's the, there, there are certain foods that will spark something extra special. And there are certain foods that they won't. And right. I think that the, everyone's journey in life should be, how do I include as many of those joy sparking foods and ingredients in every meal that I make and every meal that I eat? Duh.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself. So that's why Sean goes second. Listeners, where are we going tonight though? We're going to break it down. So we're going to start with why is it so important to learn to love food? We're going to we're going to give you a number of examples that Sean and I have had in this unbelievably it, it's just it's a culinary wonderland and, and we want you to dive in with us. The water's great. So after that, we're going to talk through what have we learned from from loving food? And then how are we continuing to learn? And this is a similar form to, to the way we've been shaping these episodes throughout Q1. And we, we do that intentionally, listeners. But let's, let's dive in, Sean, with why is it so important to learn to love food? And I'll, I'll be honest right here. For me, understanding your fuel and, and your preferences regarding the intake is so important whether this is hobby related or just routine related. And again, there is a difference listeners and I will break this down a few different times tonight in sort of different perspectives on this, but there's a difference between the routine eating and eating what you love in that routine and the intake when you're doing a hobby. Yep. Those intakes are going to differ. Now the key here is There is no one size fits all. And Sean and I really want to hit this one on the head. Contrary to what big food wants us to think, where it's as simple as going down the food aisles and picking whatever you think, Ooh, that looks pretty. Ooh, that looks, that's where you get yourself into the rut that Sean was describing up front, which is just, I was eating. I felt dizzy. I was hungry. And so I just, I I just took it down, but there was no, my soul was not filled. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I wasn't eating with a buddy or I wasn't eating something that sparks that joy in me. And so I got no life out of that experience. Now, again, if you're out there killing it, say you got to do a 130 mile ride. You want to try your best to give yourself joy at some points along the way of that journey. But at some point you're going to feel hatred towards food and that's just the nature of endurance athletics and it's at the end of the day when you when we talk about the context of intake during athletics and endurance athletics specifically and i mean any activity that's spanning more than four hours i well i would say any activity over two hours you you have to start thinking about if you've had a sustained effort greater than two hours, you have to start thinking about your intake. You have to start thinking about the food you're taking. Yes. And that's critical. We've covered that in, in at various shows throughout the throughout the the years here on the How to Hobby Podcast. I, I can throw some of those in the show notes if you're interested. But ultimately, you need to understand your fuel and that fuel that gives you joy. And then how you're going to intake that. And Sean. You know, we have talked about some of your, I mean, we can, we can break down where we're at. I personally, if it's a daily routine thing, I'm trying to go be every four, at least four hours between meals, because that's giving myself enough time to digest the food and then get to a point where, Oh, I'm actually, I'm actually hungry again. And then go
1: into the next meal. And keep it consistent around that yep i agree i i try and do the same thing because i find that sometimes i'll catch myself eating food just because i think i'm supposed to or it's time to eat right everyone knows is on lunch so i should go on lunch right and that's that's really really common and i it's weird the times where i find that kicking in are generally the times where i'm not enjoying the food i'm just Even if it's something I would have enjoyed yesterday, I'm just not enjoying it right now because I'm not really into it. I'm just eating because I'm supposed to. And this is where I think it's really, really important that we bring in that you need to listen to your body. When it comes to understanding why food is as amazing as it is or why certain food is your thing, you have to listen to your body. You have to listen, am I actually hungry? If I'm not, Why am I eating, right? Is there some reason? I know sometimes when you're doing your long rides, you know, you're doing your endurance stuff, you may not be hungry, but you're intentionally forcing calories into your body because you know you need it, you know your intake, you've you've done all of this work, you've pre-calculated everything before. In that instance, you're forcing yourself, you don't want to, but you know that your body needs it. Whereas me sitting at my desk at work, not doing any physical activity, I don't need to eat sometimes. It's just... I feel like I'm supposed to, or I'm stressed and I'm trying to find some sort of treat to make myself feel better. Right. We, we it yeah. happens. We do it. Uh, I,
0: it, it's, it's so common and you have to be so careful and guarded about those, those moments. And I like that you're distinguishing again, even further, the, the preferences intake, preferences in differing activities. And that's really, again, we're, we're trying to build this in as a core value for you guys that you need to listen to yourself as Sean is saying, and also be honest about, I mean, it's kind of, it goes without saying, like, if you're just, I just think of it in, in a very simple terms, if I'm not burning any calories, I'm literally just at my desk. I, I don't care really who you are there's not really anything you need to be eating in, in, in a, in a large amount. Yeah. Agreed. And, uh, and I don't want to be like mean about it or come off too intense about that, but, but it's, we're just sitting
1: there. There's, yeah, we're not no, out I, catching the meal. You know, <laughs> I do it a lot. I, I find myself doing that. I, I recommend everybody do this. I'm going to tell you what'll happen, but I recommend everybody do this because I find it really funny. Uh, If you pull up two web pages, go ahead and look up. One side is going to be, are almonds bad for you? And then your other side is, are almonds good for you? You're going to do two separate internet searches and you're going to find there are thousands and thousands of articles on both sides of the aisle telling you that almonds are bad and telling you that almonds are good. And the frustrating part about this is if you don't know, you're like, I don't know what I should be doing. Ever, all the experts mm-hmm. are saying they're bad. And then all the experts are saying that they're amazing. And it's like, what's going on? And what I have started doing is if I enjoy almonds and I know that they make me feel good, I eat some almonds. I don't feel heavy. I don't feel bad. I feel good. I feel I've got some energy. Then to me, almonds are good. I'm listening. I'm not listening to the, the experts say they're bad for me. If I eat a lot of dairy and it makes my stomach upset, well, I know I shouldn't do that again. Again, you could do the same thing with milk. Everyone will tell you it's really bad. Everyone will tell you it's really good for you. You should only be drinking milk. But I'm listening to my body. I'm seeing how it reacts to different foods. And I think that is a really good place to start. When you're starting down the journey of starting to love food for food, for food's sake, for the ingredients, everything that the food is, you have to start with what do you like and how does your body react to different things? And that, that will be the gateway to actually, the, the gateway drug for actually <laughs> getting into, you know, what is food and why do you enjoy it?
0: Uh, I, I agree, Sean. I really like the way you're framing this. It's one of those things we need to be so careful about external inputs when we're trying to shape our own personal diet and learn what we love because fuel is going to be different for everybody. We want to keep stressing that throughout this episode. We have no idea what your preference is going to be and your intake schedule. It's going to be different for everybody. And we need to make sure that we can, we can, we can allow ourselves that time to grow without going on the internet and getting too many, too many external inputs with that are unfounded. And again, Man, I mean, so do you actually enjoy almonds? I'm just curious. I do.
1: I do. I really, I really, and even unsalted almonds. I don't like salted, flavored anything. I like just pure almonds for almond's sake. Me, me too, man. I am all in
0: on the raw nut game. And it's weird, the more I've done it over time, because I never did it as a kid, Mm -hmm. because honestly, nuts are kind of expensive in the grand scheme. (laughs) They are. to, To add them into your diet needs to be kind of intentional and then. You need to be buying them at a pretty. But actually, Sean, we did have that uh, Baruca nut tasting live last <laughs> year. <was>, that was <laughs> that was bomb. I need to get some more Barucas, baby.
1: Yeah, I was actually just thinking that uh, I got an email from them with some discount code, and I thought to myself, you know, I don't even remember finishing that bag, but apparently I did. But I don't, I don't remember it. <laughs> just, I don't, maybe you're I playing lost Hogwarts it, Legacy and just maybe I lost it. I lost it in the move. I don't know, but I, I don't remember finishing it.
0: Wow. Well, maybe, maybe we need to do a, do a double, <laughs> double back on the Baruchas. Um, so anything else to, to add here on the listen to your body? I I definitely agree. You, let's, and, and well, one thing I will add, there's a lot on intermittent fasting out there right now. And, and plenty of people, uh, will tell you and make it seem like you have to do this. You don't. What I would encourage you listeners, if you've never really dove into intermittent fasting or had any inkling to what that is, just try and set up a more normalized schedule, which is, uh, well, again, I'd say it's in line with the the rotation of the earth. Yep. So <laughs> your last meal is about six or seven, and then you don't eat again until 12 to 13 hours later at seven o'clock the next day when the sun's coming back up. And I I think if you've never done, just even tried to do that and you've kind of been loosey-goosey with when you're eating and how you're eating, that could be a huge game changer for you in just how you feel. Because the ultimate goal when we're talking about learning how to love food, you're ultimately loving your body and your tummy. And that's what this is about as well. So we really want to encourage you on that and... And the final thing in this, why is it important section is we're, we're connecting ourselves back to the beginning here and what it, what it makes, what, or what it takes to make up a dish. Because when you really start to make it yourself, it's a very simple process, but it's foreign in the beginning. And that is a big takeaway sean and i both had to go through the growing pains here when we started doing this actively five years ago or four four years. i think we started around the same time right sean
1: yeah yeah we did right right around uh yeah i mean right around as we graduated i think that was when things things kind of changed we had (laughs) had a little bit more time and a little bit more money in our pockets to actually understand what we were doing (laughs) that's that's right we could get the tools of the trade but
0: so i want to share personally what I made tonight and that that I just thought was very interesting. Because originally when you come back and this is just a little hidden gem here on learning to love food. Because the anxiety around creating a meal when you have no idea what to do can be overwhelming. But the more you press into this concept of understanding how to prepare your food and just having good staples in your pantry and in your kitchen, the anxiety level just falls away. Where does anxiety like to generate from? The tummy, ironically. So mm-hmm. if you're feeling a lot of anxiety about what you're going to be eating, you're probably not feeling good eating it either, listeners. And I just I want to encourage you to start to understand your food, start to understand how to prepare it more eloquently. And I just mean basics. How do I dice an onion? What what is a good knife to get me there? What are some of the key core tools? And go go back to our our beginning, episode three on cooking. We'll give you the, the basics there for setting a framework for how to cook. But it's very simple. Salt, fat, acid, heat. And that is the four ingredients that we've, again, continue to sit behind here on our desk. In fact, it's, we like to keep salt just, it's all over the rich mahogany right now. Cause Sean and I are just, we're, we're, we're (laughs) like the salts of the earth right now. We just, we just, (laughs) we were throwing it. Like I, I'm like, get out of here, punk. And like, as he's leaving, I'm throwing salt at him. Um, but tonight, Sean, I made this, uh, it was a pasta. It was a garbanzo bean, um, what, what is that cold pasta dish so so it's i guess it's you could equate it to a pasta salad
1: but okay, i was
0: okay i was like okay i have pasta and the kids wanted pasta of some kind but it, can you believe this sean it was 80 degrees today here what in arizona 80 i'm sweating right now <laughs> I,
1: no, I don't wait, know what's it was, happening. Rain- it was it was 60 and raining here in san diego that's crazy so I was
0: not in a mood to be hitting up the burner or turning on the oven or doing mm-hmm. anything. I, I just, so I boiled the pasta, but then I immediately, I, as, so this, this was what was fun was I went online and I was like, you know what? I just was start piecing it together and it just all came together. I had garbanzo beans and then I had uh, some onion that I, a red onion that I could dice up and then I had some. Celery and celery adds a good crunch. The, the recipe itself didn't even call for celery; it called for like cucumber,
1: but it was okay. like you know
0: any crunchy veg- veggie. And I was like, well, I'm gonna do celery. <laughs> and then I did the pasta. Once as the pasta was you know getting ready, I was I threw the garbanzo beans, the onion, the celery into a bowl, and then just hit that with olive oil, mm. um, some red red wine vinegar. Salt, pepper, oregano, just let that all come together, ruminate together, and and then to top it off with a little protein kick, added some... My kids actually wanted tuna. They like okay. tuna and pasta, so I was like, I'm just going to hit the tuna on the top, get some uh, Parmesan and cilantro, and call it good, and I'm telling you, man, it was... It, that
1: sounds so
0: good was, i'm not like gonna that, lie i was like that
1: sounds like food i could love right there I, I was
0: loving it i was i was legitimately like and even even my wife was giving me she's like "Ooh, like how is it so cold i was like i hit it with that hot that cold <laughs> water baby
1: <laughs> dang okay that that does sound really good and and what i like there is you, there's so much variety to it right it's not anything that's that's too complicated but you just knew everything and how it works together. And that is why I think that it's so important to understand the salt, fat, acid, heat and and the basics of, of flavor, right? They're just key things that when you're feeling hot, you want cold food. Boom, you already got the cold out. You you Everybody likes pasta. Let's be real. Pasta is king, pasta, right? Okay. Everybody <laughs> loves pasta. Your kids love tuna, so you can get some of that good protein. But then all of those other flavors, honestly, subbing celery, is a, a way better idea than, than any other crunchy vegetable. Cause it is the, the most classic satisfying crunch of any vegetable oh, yeah. out there. And then like, it just, that sounded like an amazing meal and so simple and yet made your entire family probably so happy. And that, that right there is the key.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And well, I appreciate Sean. I, I, I thought it was, uh, something I, I wanted to share. And again, we're sharing these things. Because it's, it is bringing us back to basics. Once you start to understand and unlock the key, and that is what, what I wanted to bring out, Sean, was the variety aspect of it, Mm -hmm. where it's like, you have all these things probably in your pantry slash, like, it was just a can of garbanzo beans. Like that's where it started. I said, I want to use garbanzo beans. I want to start with some pasta that I had. So I, I started heating up the water and then just conceptualizing in the moment. Oh, okay. Well, as the water's heating up and I'm going to be boiling, I, I'm, I have this little bit of time. And so finding those moments, listeners, where you can just kind of think about it for a second, it takes time. It, this is, this is a year, it's going to be a few years before you're, you're pulling out the, the complete, because again, how I've been able to develop the, the seasoning combination qualification, Sean, like knowing, oh, a Regno- goes pretty good here with this or how much of this should I even just freeform it, it it just comes with time and so that's let's be patient we say that every time be patient with yourselves listeners but we want you to understand how to love food yes all right Sean let's dive into what have we learned from loving food?
1: Yeah. So you mentioned it briefly earlier in that if you're feeling anxiety, a lot of that comes from your gut and that is really, really true. So I, I like the way that you had said it was when my tummy is happy, my mind and soul are full, my mind and soul are happy. <laughs> and, and that goes to a soul level, right? When you feel satisfied, but not over full, you didn't feel like you ate a greasy meal, you just, it's just this very satisfying feeling. But there's also a lot of science that goes into gut health and how crazy tied our gut health is to our brain and the anxiety the the struggling to focus it's wild 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 how much gut bacteria and gut health will affect your emotions it's so nuts there's a lot of science out there so you know when you when you learn to love food that your tummy also loves You yourself will naturally feel better about everything, right? I know what the, I, for lunch today, I had pizza, right? I knew it wasn't going to make me feel good, but it was cheap and I needed to cram food in between meetings. Did I feel great after? Absolutely not. Honestly, didn't even feel great while I was eating it because it wasn't that good. (laughs) No. But it was, (laughs) it was the cardboard pizza, the cardboard pizza, you know, I I just had, I had to make it work, but you know what, when you make yourself a meal that you understand, you understand everything that went into it, all of the work, understanding the ingredients, understanding how everything was cooked and the the heat that was involved and the science and the mileage reactions and just understanding everything that you're doing, it just takes it to another level. And so, you know, when your tummy is happy, your mind and soul are happy. And then the other aspect for me is, I don't think people understand until they've done it, the satisfaction of being able to feed your family and friends a good meal that you made. It is one of the most satisfying feelings when you have slaved in the kitchen, and you have found the recipe and you have understood how to do it and you've prepped all the veggies and you've prepped the meat and you're understanding temperatures and gradients and and roasting versus basting versus uh, uh, broiling versus in the oven versus air fry pan. When you learn all of that and you combine everything and you make yourself a really good meal and you sit down and give that to your friends and your family, Dude, it's an addicting feeling when you get oh, yeah. like, like the look that your wife gave you for the dinner tonight. And it was the, wow, that's really good. I bet you rode on that high for quite a while because uh, being still, able to, to throw throw all of that together, right? And just know that your work and your knowledge went into providing sustenance for your family and friends. That is such a fulfilling experience i i can't i can't describe it right like yeah there was a uh i made kale is one of my favorite vegetables honestly favorite leafy vegetable yeah of existence i love kale i i eat kale probably once a week i i freaking love kale and i made a, a meal for my mom a while ago where it was a kale curry dish, and she had been cutting kale with a knife her entire life. And I went, what are you doing? Like, you could you could just peel the leaf off. And she goes, what? And I was like, yeah, if you just flip the leaf back, click, click, and I pulled the whole stem off. And she goes, do you know how much time I've spent my entire life cutting the stem out of kale? And I was like, "Yeah, I learned this one of the cooking classes I did, and I made her this curry dish, and she just looked at me because I taught her how to massage the kale and break the pores open, and and it's it's more, uh, it's less bitter, it's softer, it's a more luxurious flavor. I made this meal for, her and she just looked at me with awe. If I can get my mom to look at me with awe when it comes to cooking, I know I'm at another level of of, of happiness with cooking because she is an amazing cook." And for me to be able to teach her something was really, really cool. So I'm telling you, there is nothing like making a meal for friends and family and seeing that light in their eyes as they go, oh, that's good. My dad makes my, my favorite sound. When I cook a meal, he'll take a bite and then just kind of goes, oh, and like that's his <laughs> whole thing. That's how he tells you whether he likes a meal or not it. is the first bite is just the, oh, that's, it's, it's, yep. it's one of my favorite things.
0: Oh, that that is great Sean and man I kale lovers unite I, I eat kale like I hate to say how much <laughs> I eat kale probably like four times a week Wow uh, oh yeah man and I'm stem in like I don't even stem in yeah really? I, I don't I do I like a crunch that crunchy oh. crunchy stem but heated it has to be yep. done over Agreed. the pan yes but I, I I can do it raw again it's it, you really need to listen to yourself on this one. Now, I do want to come over and have you massage my kale, Sean. That sounds Dude,
1: no, I'm unbelievable. You, have I, you ever done it? Have you ever no, massaged it? this, this luxurious oh. kale. I need, <laughs> I need... It turns it into this soft, smooth, almost sweet. I don't want to use the word sweet because it's not, it's not sugary, but it's not bitter anymore. And uh, it just... It, yeah, you just cover your hands in olive oil pour some olive oil in the bowl and then crack some fresh salt over the top and then you just rub it together like you're giving it a massage and it breaks the pores of the the kale and turns it into this deep forest green it's one of the most oh, satisfying wow. colors that i've cooked with yeah it's a lot of fun
0: unbelievable is there like actual websites that show mm-hmm. this technique or something yeah yeah I gotta throw one in the show notes i'll, I'll the throw in the listeners.
1: show notes yep i will definitely show you it's it's one of my i learned it at uh, one of the surlatop cooking classes <laughs> one of my favorite techniques for camp that's, that is great. So one
0: of the things I love about and what I've learned from cooking, and I actually just got a new, over Christmas, I got a whetstone for maintaining my my favorite apparatus in the kitchen, which is my knife set. I have uh, an original knife set that we got when we got married. I think it's Chicago cutlery. Nothing great in terms of it's just, you know, a standard cutting block with different knives. But my sister got me a 18-inch chef's knife by Mizuno. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I've had that now. And that's been my main piece. I still use the Chicago cutlery. And the thing that I think I, I've learned over time is like, really, there's probably no... As long as it's a standard stainless steel blade, you're, you're okay. Yeah. And, and this whetstone just confirmed that for me. So I, I, I have never sharpened my, I have a honing rod, but a honing rod listeners is only good for really bringing your blade back to center, truing mm-hmm. it up. It's not good for actually sharpening and maintaining the the cutting surface. So I needed, I was at the point where I was just noticing, you know, I like sweet potato would get rough, yep. tomato would get rough. And I I didn't, you know, you can actually hurt yourself listeners more with a dull blade. When you know, when it's like a samurai, like, you know, it, <laughs> samurai culture you got to keep your blade sharp so yep. i actually this weekend was able to pull out the wet stone and 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 do the deed of sharpening my blades and i'm telling you there was something just you get the wet stone, you get it wet first yeah. and then you rub a little water on it and then you and it's like a living thing it's like all porous because it's like a mm-hmm. stone it's like a pumice stone practically i mean really small pores but yeah you're that's what you're doing you're getting it soaked up and then you just start running the blade over the stone listeners. And, oh man, I'm telling you, it was an experience. My daughter was there. I was I was kind of showing her the process of teaching her how to maintain the cooking crafts. And, man, it brought so much satisfaction. And I think that's just the, I have another wood cutting board. This was a fine, Sean. I found this wood cutting board super thick. It's, it's probably a two and a half inch thick wood cutting board and okay, that's a
1: serious cutting board serious. right
0: there. i found it at tj maxx when i saw this thing it was from italy it was like an italian cutting board i found it at tj maxx i saw that it was like 20 bucks and i <laughs> went what why is this 20 dollars and i immediately grabbed it and like i thought i was like getting i was like don't you touch my cutting board <laughs> i was like coming out of that store with like like a football trying to like keep people off blocking them Because I knew that it was such... And I still have it. I've had it now for three years. And it's... Man, cutting boards are interesting. Because it takes all of the scents. When I wash it now, it like... (laughs) You're maintaining the wood. But the wood actually sucks up the scent of your food. Mm. And it's this interesting experience now with having a cutting board that, again, has been maintained over that many years... When I'm actually washing it and releasing like you know cleaning the surface, that is actually bringing up like I'm sure old food particles that are a part of your surface and and disrupting them and you're getting these scents from like when you chop that garlic or when you chop that onion, it's like, what in the it's just weird, man I'm telling and then you're as you're drying it, you're like, "Ah, yes, my mm-hmm. baby, and you put it back down. <laughs> Anyway, I I am a freak, uh, listeners, and I love my tools that that keep me... Because, again, you buy once, you find the good stuff, you buy once, you never have to buy again. And that's the key here. And once you start maintaining, now I'm maintaining with the whetstone.
1: Oh, we're in. Yeah, I've got to get on the whetstone game. I haven't done it yet. The knife block that I bought has a honing rod and it has an actual sharpener built in. So it's got the V sharpener that you can kind of drag it through but it removes a little too much material for me i feel like it's not sharpening it's more just kind of ripping stuff off the blade which i'm not a fan of because i want to make these blades last so i don't use it as much i do have another knife sharpening kit that i use but it's just not it's meant for pocket knives it's not really meant for for the big kitchen knives but yeah i mean having that appreciation for your materials right that's the coolest part about cooking for me is understanding the pots the pans the cutting boards the knives it's its own art like it yeah. really is and you can invest a little you can invest a lot and you can still see that art and it's it's such a cool thing from cast iron to whether it's a hex clad and it's ceramic coated or if it's t-fowl and it's just got a nonstick coating like whatever it is there's an art and a mystique to everything and that's that's the coolest part is that there's also something for every price range but you know I just I love appreciating the tools and another thing that that loving food has taught me is having an appreciation for food and from other cultures this is something that has been important to me since I was a kid I mean I was born in Japan And we lived there till I was five and then we moved back to the States. But my parents, you know, spent their 20s in Japan. It became an integral part of their relationship, of their lives. It was their big time, right? They're from there. My dad was 20 when they got there and he was 28 when they got back. So that was a big deal. And and they took that with them. So I grew up eating a lot of Japanese food, a lot of sushi, a lot of ramen. And then moving into, I did a lot of Korean food, a lot of Vietnamese food, I just grew up really enjoying other cultures' foods and also learning from the people, my friends who were Vietnamese. And I, remember, I will never forget, I got to go over to one of my friend's houses the night we graduated high school, and her mom had made this huge buffet of Vietnamese food from, the from, you know, she was raised on this food. It was wow. the coolest experience just sitting there and it was hilarious, all these moms speaking in Vietnamese about the white kids at the end of the table using chopsticks, because <laughs> I learned how to use chopsticks <laughs> as a kid. And so it was just like, this really this guy. It, was, it was this really funny thing. But you know, understanding food and other cultures. That's why I love watching food documentaries, a lot of great food TV shows, cooking shows, especially ones where they travel around. I mean, just if you want to look at Salt Fat Acid Heat and her not only her cookbook, but also her series and so many others. And I love when they travel internationally and it's always been a dream of mine. Like my dream is to make enough money so that I can take a year off of work and I can just travel and I can live it up, eat foods everywhere I go, find the best restaurants, the best coffee shops, the best pastries, everything, and just experience life it's one of the reasons I want to travel to Europe so much. I want to travel yeah. and, and see and eat their food and drink their wine and everything. And yep. There is just an unspoken language with food that connects cultures. It links everybody together. Everybody's gotta eat. That's so when right. you can find those things that link you to other cultures when it comes to food, I mean, honestly, that's probably one of my favorite of all time things of learning to love food and learning to love other people's food. I think that that is crucial. There's, you can, I mean, I was raised on Japanese food, but I was also raised on a lot of pretty simple American food, like a lot of the meatloaf, spaghetti, you know, like, but not even Italian spaghetti. We're talking like really, really American spaghetti yeah. with like ground beef and stuff. Chef, like Chef Boyardee. Chef Boyardee. I grew up with that. And and it was just, I, I had that, but as I grew up and just in, investing and experiencing other cultures' food, uh, it's it's amazing and a really good way to bridge that gap and learn from other people. So uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things food's taught me.
0: No, oh, I love it, and and I I couldn't agree more. I think it's it's biblical at the end of the day. I mean, when we look at wine, just just even taking wine as an example, that is such a living, breathing entity in the food scape. I mean, it's it's taken up root. In From the ground and linked all these, again, when you, when you talk about sauvignes and what they do in terms of knowing yep. the region of the grapes, the soil that it was planted in, the vintage, the, the year, right? All of these things about the harvest that link it to a region on a map and and even to what that specific profile tastes like just because of soil. That has seeped in and the type of grape, right? It, it's yep. just unbelievable the number of things. And depend, again, depending on the harvest that year, if it was a really nice, sunny, or pleasant harvest, if it was a harsh harvest, it's going to have an impact on the final product. And when we get back to that level of basic, when we're connected to the root, and that's why I'm a big fan of, I don't even go through the processed aisle. I'm done with the processed. I want. The real thing. I want to be cutting it up by myself, creating it myself, and experiencing it, sharing with uh, with others. Sean and I were able to to close out the year going get some great Thai food together. And that mm-hmm. was an experience I I look back on fondly. You know, just being able to chat about where we're at, where we're going, and enjoy a great meal. And Thai food is just bomb. I
1: it's love so it. It's so good. It's it's so one of my favorite. Probably so- one of my favorite Kinds of foods in San Diego is actually Thai food.
0: We just had great Thai this last weekend. We did too. (laughs) What? Oh my gosh. (laughs) This is too much. All right. So we're going to close it out with how are we continuing to learn from our food and our love of food? So personally, I have a lot that I'm always wanting to learn uh, between the balance of, again, I hinted at it at the beginning, but my routine eating how I can make and continue to tailor my routine process, efficiently making food that still tastes good and that I love day in and day out, that's not gonna hurt my gut. And I actually had, I was sharing last year, I was doing something out of whack, and my gut was unhappy with my routine eating. And I figured out what it was, Sean. It was dates. I, I actually I
1: remember I remember you talking
0: about that. Yep, yep. So I was eating listeners too many dates and they're great but great in moderation and i was having again i thought what the quantity that i was having was moderation but Mm -hmm. i was still having them like a few times a week and over time if you do that a number like weeks and weeks and weeks in a row that's not moderation
1: Mm. and
0: my gut was like telling me (laughs) nah man not good like we're, we're this is so i that was like nerve wracking for one, because normally I'm totally fine. Anyway, cut that out. Had to go back to basics, relearn and go, wait, is it nuts? Is it like, cause I eat nuts and I love nuts, but no, we're, it was definitely the dates and I'm, I was glad to figure that one out. Mm -hmm. Um, But then on top of that, how that relates to my endurance nutrition needs. I personally am a fan of the drip method and I've talked about this in depth, when it comes to when I go backpacking, I'm not doing the, I don't do like three square meals when I'm backpacking. I eat like every two hours. And then by the time I get to the end of the day, I do like a lighter meal than what everybody tells you you should do. Like I talk to friends about this and they're always like, Oh, I need like 9,000 calories at the end of the day. That's That's my goal. And it's like, Dude, I want to sleep. If I eat more than like a thousand calories to end my day on the trail, I will not sleep. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard on your body as is. I would much rather go to sleep and be so when it that's one specifically I'll leave you with. I at the end of a a hiking day, I have gone less on the calories. I'll do like 300 calories. I, I literally I'm somewhere between 300 and 400 calories on that meal is what I target and that's when I feel the best mm. and sleep the best. And then I wake up and I continue the drip method where I'm just saying I'm gonna keep calories going all day so I never feel yep, you never feel yeah I never feel the headache. I never feel that that like because if you don't give yourself proper nutrition throughout the activity day, you will feel terrible. And I, I mean, I mean it. I know for a fact. I've seen it on friends. I've I've had it myself. If you don't keep up on the nutrition during a high activity, you will suffer. Yep. But also be careful because if you're only going out for two hours, you don't need to start up the drip. You just go home and eat a great big meal. That's much better. So those are my two takeaways for you listeners and things that I'm still trying to learn and learn more about for when I go out there and I'm away from the daily, uh, from the icebox, Sean, I don't have my fridge anymore. I
1: have to. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that those are really good goals and things to work towards. For me, I'm I'm currently learning about gluten reduction and its effects on my body. So Kate is, she's has a Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disorder, and they recommend reducing your gluten intake and it can really help with your hormonal balance when you have an autoimmune disorder and so we've been working on doing gluten reduction as much as is feasible for us we're not completely cutting gluten out but you know for her it's really important it really helps her maintain her hashimotos and, and maintain her hormones and it's it's been wild to watch her actually you know really focus on cutting as much gluten as she can and actually watching her stabilize, it was really cool because I know for some people, the whole gluten thing is it's a it's a crackpot thing. Like, oh, it's just people are just telling you to do it for her. It actually worked. It was really, really cool to watch. For me, it's not doing anything like gluten gluten reduction for me doesn't affect my stomach. It doesn't affect my gut health. Nothing. Huh. I find that for me because it's a lot of starches, potato starches, tapioca starches that they use instead of gluten, I find that sometimes that can actually have an effect on me because it's a lot more starchy than what my body's used to producing or, or we're used to working its way through. So I'm currently learning about this gluten reduction and how it affects me, the different kinds of breads. Is it certain starches that work better for me? Certain starches maybe don't feel so good. They're There have been some breads, you know, Kate and I made sandwiches and she loves it. And for me, I leave, I finish the sandwich and go, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. I feel gross. And it's, it's really interesting to see how different our bodies react to gluten. And so, you know, this is, this is the journey that I'm on. It's trying to support my partner who is, needs to, to cut out gluten. Whereas for me, it doesn't seem to have a great effect. So we're trying to find this balance. And that is where I'm trying to take my learnings right now is understanding how my body reacts, what kinds of gluten-free products actually my body can, can react well to, but also learning more about the science and the effect it has for her and her autoimmune disorder and, and the things that, that she's struggling with and some of the things I'm struggling with. So that's kind of where I'm taking my journey right now. And it's, it's a wild one because it's so polarizing, I guess. This is one of those things, man. You so can look at meet- this, school- yeah, it's so good for me guys. Yeah, but it's polarizing because if you look up is gluten good for me and then you look up gluten bad for me, it's there's just such extreme of people like oh my god gluten is the worst thing in existence we never should have had it it it's destroying society and then other people are like yeah gluten's totally fine you're just having your, your body's not processing right you're doing the wrong kind of gluten. It's it's so interesting and so I'm now in that that back and forth journey but it's it's a cool one that I'm on. Well,
0: good luck to you sir and and I really I'm glad you're kind of pushing into this to figure out because I'm with you. I mean, I think the, the quality of our bread is such a polarizing thing. And again, I think it always comes down to sugar for me. Like the more I personally do really well with sourdoughs, but really any bread that has low sugar content, the moment it's more sugar based and like, they're adding a lot more to compensate for something. I don't know uh that's when my stomach is like what the heck is this it's not the real thing mm-hmm. and when you have the real thing it's like well now i know so well anything else to add before you shut it down
1: and land the plane for no. the listeners today no just just that i'm glad we were able to talk about this i know this is something we're both really passionate about and i hope that that comes off to the listeners and that you get as passionate as we are and just my my guess i said no but i guess my final message is learn to love food and you will learn to love yourself your body and everything when you when you can use food as a tool to make yourself feel better you you get control back of everything it's amazing you can't go wrong when you get the.
0: The mind body soul connections all talking to each other in a loving way. Sean, it's been lovely to talk to you tonight. And I can't wait till we get to share our next meal together as we love food and continue to love our show here. If you love our show, please leave us a five star review wherever you're listening to this podcast. We'd really appreciate it. And we love you regardless because that is what we are here at the How To Hobby lounge we welcome everyone and are so grateful that you took any time to listen to us so have a wonderful wonderful time this episode will be coming to you at our regularly slated time 6 a.m friday it's payday baby and you know where to find us at the how How to to hobby Hobby. podcast keep playing that harry potter Thank you for listening to another episode of the How To Hobby Podcast. We hope you enjoyed what you've heard. And if you did, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review and or follow us wherever you digest your podcast. We'll catch you next time. And wherever you are, we wish you the best. Thanks for listening.